Hey listeners, welcome to Three Thoughts. So this is me two days after the election trying to resume a little bit of normalcy and not talk about the election. But I do hope you're all breathing easier in whatever way you interpret that. I know my cortisol levels are cautiously coming down and that's long overdue. So today I'm going to answer a question that I just got, which was a request to explain how empathy relates to self-talk, as in where do they intersect? And as you know, on the show, self-talk and its impact is one of the key things we discuss with guests. And the basic premise is self-talk and empathy are inextricably linked. They're married, united, welded, melded, however you want to call it, we cannot tease them apart. And when we learn to be more empathic to ourselves, it then grows our capacity to be more empathic to others. And that's the notion of scaling global empathy, and it's the mission of Inkind. So first, let's define empathy. Let's be simple and not academic or semantic police about what empathy is or isn't. To me, it is simply this, to feel with another. And in the case of Inkind, it's listening with no other agenda than to understand. So to feel with another and listening with no other agenda than to understand. When someone comes on the show and they're ready, they're finally ready to let go of something and offload it from their energy, that is one way of showing themselves love. It's really a form of self-care. And once they do that, it opens them up. It opens their frequency And it's like they've got the reverb of love for themselves. And if you're someone like me who believes in frequency, you know that this is really palpable. You can feel love from another person energetically alone. They don't have to say anything or do anything. You can just feel it when you're in their presence. So when someone gives themselves empathy, it trickles out to their other relationships. You can think of it as going inward to go outward. And this is why as a listener, it will never matter what circumstance or background or culture you grew up in, you can hear yourself in someone else's story. And when you listen to their self-talk, you immediately realize that's not just me who feels that way. And secondly, there are things that I can do to be more empathic to myself. One of which is release as happens on the show. And another is to learn a new language to speak more kindly to yourself. Both are very, very powerful tools to have in your daily pocket. So that is the first thought that I want you to let sink in and I hope you take as solid truth. Self-empathy begets other empathy. All right, thought number two. We're hardwired for negativity. Even this thought number two is a negative thought, uh, which I'm going to turn around to a positive one. So maybe you've already sensed that there's a problem brewing here. You are correct. Because self-talk and empathy are made in for life, we need to develop the skills to recognize how we currently talk to ourselves and how we can change that because let me tell you, it is almost never pretty. So you've heard me mention a couple times on the show at least negativity bias. And the fact that we need, the jury's out on this again, but 
between five and 10 positive messages to override one negative. And I figured that out in the first few months of working with my coach, that my own self-talk was not only negative, it was completely dictating my ability to put my work out there. So I knew that once I'd made the discovery that I needed to clean up my self-talk, that it would help listeners to hear how other humans talk to themselves and shift their mindset from hurtful to helpful. When I say my self-talk was not nice, I mean every single week, my coach was identifying how destructive and wildly incorrect the conversation I was having with myself was. Like, insanely warped and outlandish. And I thought, if that's what I'm experiencing, how many more humans are also experiencing that? And I wanna pause for a second here and get really clear that if you're wondering what the heck I'm talking about with self-talk, like what are the actual words, know that everybody has their own brand of it. And most of it occurs silently. It's the chatter in your head. So sure, you might occasionally scream at yourself out loud, I'm so stupid or something like that. But 90% of self-talk is insidious. It's subtle and it's under the radar and it's rote. So this is because hurtful self-talk is the work of the ego. If we do not learn to become aware and learn how to speak differently to ourselves, the ego takes over and we start operating from our heads and not our hearts. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. Self-talk can be easily puppeteered by the ego. And if we're not vigilant, egoic self-talk will force you into operating from your head and not your heart. Because the ego wants us to remain stuck. So it's constantly muscling in And a lot of times it's tricky because it's subtle and it never shuts up. So I wanna give you a couple examples of self-talk that I really struggled with and that helped ego keep me from creating in kind for six years. Yes, count them six years. So the self-talk is actually a single word, one that I used like a daily bludgeon and that is why. So when I was in the beginning stages of figuring out what in kind was gonna be and how I was going to do it, uh, was I gonna produce it? Was I gonna learn how to do all the audio and edit and do this production soup to nuts, even though I was scared to death of the technology behind it? And I was sure, I was convinced I'd never be able to get that right or have, you know, create something of the level that, of quality that I demand made completely by my own hand. But I also knew that as a storyteller and a researcher and someone who considers empathic listening and particularly interviewing as behavioral art in a way, it's my behavioral art that to do somebody justice, I must produce it in the way that I know how to do it best. And I can't have someone else weaving together these people's stories that they entrusted me with. So I was constantly asking myself, why? Why does it take me so long to finish an episode? Why do I get so frustrated when I set my recording level 15 times and they seem to be differently set the next time I go to record? Why do these things always happen to me? And by these things, I mean what seems to be just completely crazy technological glitches. For months, I was spending 14 to 15 hours editing episodes 
and then opening a what I thought was a finished product the next day, only to find that all my edits were out of sync. It was one of the worst, most enraging things I could I could describe in terms of getting my work out. And the worst part was I couldn't identify why it was happening. So there are countless big and small examples like this um, that happen every time I sit down for my in-kind time and they, they continue to happen, but it's very different now how I approach them. But the self-talk is extremely belligerent and it's 10 points for ego who is trying to make me sit in rumination. It's trying to make me wallow as long as possible in my doubt. So hours ended up turning into days, weeks, months, and as I said, years, where I sat in rumination asking why and wasted so much time and energy. Then enter my coach. Within a few weeks, it was brought to my attention to question uh, the usefulness of why. What do I get when I ask why? Well, what I get is my answer to myself. Why does this always happen to you? Because you suck at technology. You're not a technology person. Why do you get so frustrated with things? Oh, that's because you're impatient. Oh, now I'm an impatient person. <laughs> I'm atechnical and I'm impatient. Why can't you just start? So put the work out there, even if it's not 100% how you want it. Why can't you delegate to someone? Because you're a perfectionist. So you can see where this is going. It takes one small thing, and then my ego runs it through the rumination machine, and it comes out a million times worse of a problem and a bunch of terrible personality traits. So that means with this winning combination, I'm unable to deal with failure and I'm stuck now in inertia, exactly where my ego wanted me to be. So the list is long. Uh, I could keep going on, but you know, I could show you my journal or read pages to you in my journal of all these grossly inaccurate labels that I've given myself over the years and had to eradicate all of them. I'm a pro procrastinator. I'm a quitter. I'm a talker, not a doer. I'm not a finisher. It's uh, awful and hurtful. And most of these things were fed by the question why. So you might be asking at this point, all right, what's the solution to the incessant, incessant why self-talk? And this brings me to thought number three. To change self-talk from debilitating to empathic, you need to create a new language of positive self-talk. And this isn't your straightforward Duolingo language acquisition. This is much harder because first, you need to train yourself to be aware of your hurtful self-talk. That's step one. Then you train yourself to pause, maybe perhaps the, the hardest step. Pause long enough to stop the bludgeoning. Third, you have to call up. You then have to call up the helpful self-talk and tell the ego, please sit in the backseat. All right, so this isn't easy, but it can be done and it can be done in remarkably little time considering that we've spent our lives learning to be so nasty to ourselves. All right, so staying with the why example, I have learned instead to ask a different question, another just one simple word, single word, how. Now, how questions are an amazing antidote to rumination because how immediately goes to action. And it also affirms my confidence that I can do something about the situation. So why leads to what's called 
learned helplessness. And that's a concept in psychology and elsewhere, but um, I'm referring to the one from psychology that explains how when a person continually faces a negative situation, and here it's our own self-talk that we're inflicting on ourselves, we stop trying to change our circumstances even when we have the ability to because we believe it's futile. So like when I said negative self-talk can spill over into personality traits, oh, it's so dangerous. And most people believe that that's immutable territory. I don't, but the vast majority of people feel like your personality traits are your personality traits. Very difficult to change them. And so rumination for me was a really deeply entrenched pattern. And I had to realize that it came from anxiety. It came from a fear around waiting to produce something perfect or don't do it at all. And we don't go around on a daily basis giving ourselves empathic pep talks. We just don't do it. We don't say, it's okay, you put yourself out there and didn't work out, but you learned something, so great. Or, wow, okay, today you really fucked that up. And wasn't it fun trying or wasn't it just amazing to do it one time and realize it didn't kill me or it didn't kill my reputation or it didn't even do the thing in my imagination I thought it was going to do. Here's really the key relationship again between empathy and self-talk. It will not be enough to just learn to stop it. We need the trifecta. We need awareness, we need pause, and we need new language. And sadly for most of us, talking to ourselves kindly is a foreign language, like completely foreign. It's foreign because of our negativity bias, which causes us to operate and act from the hurtful place so much of of our day. And we need to have that replacement language at the ready. So my why, how is one example that helped me tremendously. Why are recordings disappearing into nowhere? And this is a real example. What happened was I thought I lost it and I asked myself, how can I figure this out and learn how to stop it from happening again? Through tons of frantic plugging and unplugging, I discovered the tiny little cable from my headphones had failed. Well, I am not trained as an audio engineer, so I had no idea those kinds of things could fail. I'm surprised I even found it. Like I literally didn't even think about it. And the way that I found it was a friend of a friend who is an audio person and who's been in media for 20 years said, oh yeah, those, you know, did you check your cords? They they fail all the time. When I later got back to him and said it was my headphones one. And then I had another cord that that failed um, in a similar time time frame. And I only had one of them. I only owned one of them but learned that it was totally common. So essentially I ordered like six of those cords. Did I still lose the recording? No, I was able to find it, but I did learn the lesson. You know, it's not about why am I such an idiot? It's how can I prevent this from happening again and move on? And honestly, it was a really valuable lesson. In fact, I started to order backups of all my cables. (laughs) Now that I know that that can happen and is common, it's a non-issue. So why to how? And then mistakes start to show themselves for what they are. All right, I'll give you one other example. And this one's hilarious to me. And it's uh, an example from my daughter. She's 15. And for years, since she was really little, like 
five, probably and up. She had basically developed almost a uh, a complex thinking that she couldn't remember things. So we might say something like, remember to bring your sweater down or uh, turn off the light or uh, charge your computer, whatever the thing was. And literally seconds later, she'd walk out of the room without the sweater. And, you know, you multiply this by thousands of examples and years, and then you get to school, like real school, and it becomes a potential problem or an issue. And she was convinced that she had short-term memory issues, like neurological disruptions to the point where we were wondering, should we get her tested? Does she have ADD? Does she have executive functioning problems on some significant level? What's going on here? So I read Dr. Shad Helmstetter's book, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself, which I already mentioned. And then I had him on the show. And another friend of mine had asked to throw in a question to Dr. Shad. And so I did. And the question was, what is one of the most common negative self-talk scenarios that you hear? It's like a universal one. And guess what the first one he said was? I have a terrible memory. He went on to say that the brain doesn't know or care what you put into it. It's just waiting for instruction. It's a computer. We own it. So if the ego is going to say to you, I have a terrible memory, or tell you to tell yourself, you have a terrible memory, guess what your brain's going to do? It's going to do exactly what you just said. So it's not going to remember names. So the next time you're in a crowd and someone says, hi, I'm Jill, and you're thinking to yourself, I have a terrible memory, five minutes later, you're standing talking with another friend, and Jill comes back up, and now you have to introduce her to the other person. You don't remember her name. Well, that is not your brain's fault. Dr. Shad would absolutely say that is not your brain's fault. You just told your brain that it has a terrible memory, and thus, it has done you proud. So with my daughter, we got the replacement language for this whole uh, memory issue, again, straight from Dr. Shad. And it is kind of funny, but it works. It's, I think, sharp. And we actually make kind of a bit of a joke about it around the house. It doesn't work overnight, but it does work. So every time she um, has to remember something, say, you know, bring your lunch to school, I'll say, hey, you know you're going to remember your lunch today, right? And she'll say, yeah, because I think sharp. I'll say, yeah, you think sharp. So, you know, it's it's just something that we talk about all the time now. And it is quickly eroding her complex that there's something actually wrong. There's nothing wrong. She's just telling her brain the wrong things. So as all good things worth doing are, it is a practice. It's a skill to hone. And to get good at the three-part process, awareness, pausing before hurtful self-talk comes, and then calling in that replacement language takes practice. You might be wondering, well, what kind of replacement language do I use? And I can't give you advice there because everybody is different. Everybody, as I said, has their own sort of brand of what kind of language works for them. Where you can start to look is what is the language that you use to talk with someone you love when they really mess something up? That's a great starting point for where you can look. So it doesn't matter if you're a how versus why person or um, you know, if you're the person who says, oh, I'm such an idiot or what the fuck is wrong with you or whatever the things you say are, everybody's different and we can develop whatever loving, helpful, constructive language that we 
use with a loved one, loved one, like a best friend, um, someone we love dearly, a pet, a child, that's what is going to move the mindset. And lest you think that this feels like we're coddling ourselves, because I'm sure some of you are thinking that, you got to stop right there. We are not ignoring any mistakes here. We're acknowledging things. We're not sweeping anything under the rug. We're just learning from them and we're trying not to repeat them. So when we make regular practice of speaking empathically to ourselves, you will be shocked at the ripple effects. You'll be just floored in the best of ways. People react to you totally differently. And there's the, the most amazing added gift of an energy exchange, especially if you do the why thing that um, I used to do. So when I stopped ruminating with all the whys, I started getting to the hows a hundred times faster. And this was just this like amazing spaciousness that I gained So it's there whenever I choose and it feels so much better to encourage myself than to beat myself up and it's been a life changer. Okay, so quick summary. Self-talk and empathy, inextricably bound. Two, we can overcome negativity bias. Just gotta be aware of it. And three, replacement language is your empathic self-talk, whatever brand you choose. So I wanna end with some habit changes. Because in my opinion, empathy really is nothing without action. So here is my challenge. I'm gonna give you a range and a social experiment to do on yourself. So you can do this, here's your range, for 10 minutes, if that's your minimum, um, up to a whole day. You pick however much time you wanna spend on it. And I want you to get a piece of paper, um, get your journal, get the back of a napkin, and write down every instance of your self-talk that happens within your time frame that you chose. And trust me, uh, even in 10 minutes, I'm pretty sure you're gonna fill up the napkin. So take note when you're cooking dinner, when you're driving, maybe you're waiting in line, um, you're parenting, you're working, this can happen anywhere and everywhere. Remember that self-talk is mostly in our head. So you know, you're going to have to tune in to these quieter things that we're used to ignoring because ego wants us to. So you've got your piece of paper, you've got your your list down. I would recommend that you put it aside for a whole day. So the next day, sit down, have a cup of coffee or tea, and read it out loud. Say every one of those comments to yourself out loud. Then the final step Find someone you love. No need to tell them what the experiment is and pick a few of the zingers from that list and say them out loud to that person. You can be on the phone, you can be on Zoom, you can be at the dinner table. Just don't text, say it. And see how you feel when you do this. I am willing to wager that it's going to be so highly uncomfortable for a lot of you that you're not even gonna be able to get those words out of your mouth. And then reflect on that. Why is that? And how can that feel so bad and wrong to say to someone you love, but so okay to say to yourself? And what I hope that you take away here is that we can be so hurtful to ourselves on the daily that we've actually stopped looking, we've stopped noticing, 
And we just can't keep on that way. We have to do better and we have to be better for ourselves and myself included. Constant practice for me, always evolving. And think about how did this help you, the exercise, the social experiment, how can this help you start training your awareness? In a few weeks, my new in kind website will be up and you can tell me there. But until then, cheers to global empathy and thank you so much for listening. Hey, one more thing before you go. If you or someone you know is ready to let go of something, let's make it happen. Set up an introductory call with me at inkind.buzzsprout, that's B-U-Z-Z sprout.com. To listen, just search for Inkind on your favorite podcast player 